can get your breakthrough right now. Somebody lift your hands. Lift your hands. Somebody call on that name. Somebody call that name. Hallelujah. Woo. Somebody ought to give him a shout of praise in this house right now. High five at least eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them something happens when you call that name. Something happens when you call. When I called that name, chains were broken. When I called that name, my sins were forgiven. When I called that name, addiction had to leave. When I called that name, the devil had to flee. When I called that name, cancer had to be healed. When I call that name, I wish I had a witness in the building. Woo. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity to say this morning what an absolute privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests that are here with us in the house of the Lord. Rock Church, one more time, would you help me put your hands together and make a loud noise and welcome all of our guests into that. Oh, we could do better than that. Come on, somebody help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We are so delighted and honored that you took time out of your schedule to come and worship with us today. And if you are here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card uh, that looks like uh, the image there behind me. If you did not receive one of those and it's your first time here, if you would just slip your hand up in the air for a moment, one of our staff members will bring one right to you. And uh, this VIP card is your invitation to join us in our VIP room immediately after the service. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation for you coming to spend the morning with us today. Amen. And uh, we have a little understanding here that our guests are only a guest for the first five minutes they come through the door. After that, you're just at home at the Rock Church. Amen. Amen, church. So I need you to help me for just one moment and 360 degrees all around you. Touch everybody you can and tell them welcome home this morning. Come on, tell them what they're behind you, they're in front of you, they're on your left. Don't leave anybody in any row untouched this morning. Come on, tell them welcome home, welcome home. Amen. So good to have all of you in the house of the Lord and uh, good to look up and see brother and sister Pope back in the house of the Lord with us. This morning, love this precious man of God and his wife. And, uh, of course, they're just part of the family around here. Uh, but we love and appreciate them very much. How many of you thank God for what he's been doing in this place this week? Tuesday night, God moved in, in a powerful way in this house. And uh, when the service was finished, uh, Leomine was baptized in Jesus' name. And filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought somebody would get just a little more excited about that this morning. 
if we could shout over some good songs, we ought to certainly rejoice over somebody repenting of their sins and being baptized in Jesus' name. And then after we finished baptizing Leomine, Andres was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost on Tuesday night. And then we baptized Everald in Jesus' name and he was filled full of the Holy Ghost on, on, uh, on Tuesday night. And then Wednesday morning, Emmanuel was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo! And, uh, of course, his name is etched deep in my mind. What a special name. God with us. And uh, we're grateful for what the Lord's done. And I want to say thank you to everybody who made it a point to uh, be in Bradenton on Friday uh, to celebrate the one-year pastoral and church anniversary of Calvary Apostolic Church and the Parker family. And uh, I, I, I give their thanks to you as well this morning for being there and uh, what a special time we had in God. Amen. I want to do something special this morning. I uh, has been in my spirit, on my heart, uh, in my mind, and uh, sometimes there is a certain spontaneity about me uh, that just goes with the timing of God. And I, I felt like that uh, this morning was the morning uh, to do this. And it is uh, such a privilege to pastor a church where there is such a concentration of amazing anointing and gifted leadership. Amen. God has blessed this church with incredible, incredible leadership. And it is a double honor as, as the years begin to go by to watch God raise up some of our very own within this house, put his hand upon them, and watch God begin to do great things in their lives. There is one young couple uh, in this house that uh, God has been using in a very, very distinct and, and incredible way, and uh, I have watched as God has taken their anointing and just moved it forward in doing some great things in this house, and uh, this morning, uh, I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there is uh, a shift in, in what is about to happen, and uh, I want Brother Trevor and Sister Morgan to come. They have no idea. Uh, I want them to just come and stand with me down here. How many of you love and appreciate this young couple? When we came eight years ago, how old were you, Brother Trevor? How old are you now? I'll do the math. Okay, you, he's, he's got the math down. So he was about... 15 years old, 14, maybe 15 years old. And uh, I remember, see, y'all enjoy the powerful uh, musical ministry of this anointed young man. Uh, <clears throat> but eight years ago, he had never led a song before in his life. And uh, I remember the first time I said, you're going to lead this song tonight. 
and, and he fell apart and ran and hid in the back of the building. <laughs> I'm not joking either. And uh, we, had, we had a good little Holy Ghost talk. And the Lord put his hand on him. And, uh, and now God is using him across the country in a powerful way. I have watched as God has, has raised uh, him up and he has learned how to be malleable in the hand of God and allow God to use him. And along the journey, he met a young lady. Imagine that. I had the privilege of knowing uh, Sister Morgan for many, many years before she began uh, conversing ever so sisterly to Brother Trevor and uh, have known her and her family for quite some time and have always uh, admired them, their walk with God, their consecration. And so what a delight it was to see the Lord turn that into a beautiful marriage that God has blessed. <clears throat> and several months, uh, several months back, um, Brother Trevor was feeling a burden that coincided with a need uh, in this church along with a burden that my wife and I had uh, concerning our college and career-aged young people in this church and developing ministry Amen. Developing ministry that would, uh, that would serve them uh, at, at their level, their age and context of life. And uh, this young couple uh, just answered that need and with a burden in their spirit. And uh, they've been doing a great job. But this morning, we are appointing Brother Trevor and Sister Morgan's loss as the college and career pastor and pastor's wife. All right. Brother Trevor, I have a towel in my hand today. And I want you to just to extend your arm. I'm going to hang this towel. I'm going to drape it over your arm because there's significant sun to this towel. Now, we have a commemorative towel uh, that is going to be given to you, but because of the spontaneity of the timing this morning, we didn't have it here this morning. Um, but the towel is a significant symbol because we understand that the symbol of Christianity is not a crown, but it's a cross. And the symbol of leadership is a towel. It's a symbol of servanthood. When Jesus sat down with his disciples and was about to pass a mantle of ministry to them, he did not pass a decorative robe of clergy 
that would give them some high distinction of honor. But instead, his last opportunity to teach them, the Bible says that he put on the garments of a servant and he girded himself with a towel. And the last lesson of leadership that he taught them was the importance of serving in the kingdom of God. Brother Trevor and Sister Morgan, you all have demonstrated a heart and a willingness to serve in the kingdom of God that did not require a title, did not require accolades or recognition. But even when people are not looking, not watching, you all are serving the kingdom of God with a towel girded around you and doing it as praise and glory unto God. This morning, Brother Trevor and Sister Morgan, I charge you with a new level of responsibility this morning concerning the care of the saints. As this church has continued to grow in size, there has been the necessity of other capable leaders to come up and work alongside First Lady and myself that have the heartbeat of a shepherd, that understand that living for God is about loving God and loving and serving people. And I believe that God has called you both for such a time as this. And this morning as I lay my hands and pray over you, I believe there is a new mantle of anointing that is about to settle upon your lives. There is a significant demonstration of transfer that happens supernaturally with the laying on of hands. That is why we preach that there is a sovereignty and a reverence for the laying on of hands in a church. And we don't just run around everybody laying hands on people because there is a significance, and I don't have time to teach about that this morning. Suffice it to say that as I lay my hands on you this morning, it will be more than a symbolic gesture. I believe there will be a transfer of anointing that will come upon you both to carry out the same work that First Lady and I shoulder and carry in this house. I want the pastoral staff at this house to join me for just a moment. If somebody could grab a bottle of oil. I want the our administrative pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor to join me if you would as we pray over this couple this morning. There is a powerful earth-shaking revival that is happening in this house that is changing the world. There is a major harvest amongst young adults in the college and career category. Brother Trevor, Sister Morgan, I believe that the best is yet to come. And you all are about to see God blow your minds with what he wants to do in the coming weeks and months under your ministry and direction over this segment of people. Would you join me this morning, stretch your hands in this direction. I'd like the pastoral staff to gather around Sister Morgan, Brother Trevor, if you would, as we pray for them this morning. Would you lift your voice, church, and pray with me?
you help me give God some praise this morning? Come on, let's give God some praise all over this house today. Woo, hallelujah. Let's thank God for the harvest that's coming through our college and careers. Come on, let's thank God for the increase and the bountiful revival coming through our college and career. Amen, amen, amen. Sister Sloss, you didn't realize all those years ago that you were carrying a, a little Samuel into the house of the Lord that God has raised up. He's no longer just little Trevor. But he stands before us today as an anointed man of God with a powerful woman of God standing by his side. Brother Trevor, Sister Morgan, I want you to know that I have the utmost confidence in you. That First Lady and I believe in you. And that this church has confidence in you and in your leadership and in the anointing that God has placed on your lives. And we stand behind you both as we march forward in revival. The Bible describes the day that the oil ran down the head of David as a day of anointing that the Bible says that from that day forward, the anointing changed his life forever. And I believe that when you step from where you are standing at this very moment, you are taking your very first step in a brand new paradigm of power and anointing in your life and your ministry. And we're excited about what God is doing. One more time, would you help me thank God this morning for this young couple and their ministry. Let's give God some praise this morning. Come on, let's give God some praise. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Amen. Grab your Bibles if you would and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. <clears throat> Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I am mindful of the time this morning, and I promise you that I am going to be as expeditious as possible this morning. Somebody once said there is no such thing as a bad, short sermon. And uh, I, I'm going to do my best to be as brief as possible this morning and be careful not to negate the Word of God for this house today. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 2, banded. Y'all just kind of hang out with me. I'm, I'm not going to be long this morning, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, somebody shout determined, for I determined 
not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. One transliteration renders verse number two like this. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, and to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you, except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Him crucified. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach, nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Turn around and tell your neighbor, there's nobody. Tell them there's nobody. Nobody. If I was back with the old timers, we'd break out singing, there's nobody. Nobody like Jesus. There's nobody. Somebody give God a great praise in this place tonight. If you promise to preach with me, you may be seated this morning. Corinth was the richest port and the largest city in ancient Greece. It was a powerful commercial center near two seaports that were only four miles apart from each other. Profitable commerce at this crossroads of the nations had brought thousands of eager settlers from all over the Mediterranean and enormous personal wealth to a local ruling class of self-made women and men. Corinth was an especially licentious city. This city during Paul's time there was young and dynamic and it was not hidebound by tradition, uh, a mix of dislocated individuals without strong ethnic identities that were seeking to shed their former low status uh, by achieving social honor and material success. And Paul was not intimidated by a big, bustling, cosmopolitan hub city with no dominant religion or intellectual tradition. For Corinth shared many characteristics with Tarsus, his hometown, and Syrian Antioch, his home church city. The emperor and various members of his family uh, built alongside temples uh, to the older Greek gods such as Apollo and Apollo's son Asclepios. The god of healing had a shrine there as well as at Epidaurus, uh, the ancient site of miracle healings that was about 50 miles southeast of Corinth. The point is, uh, is that the Corinthian church uh, was uh, an intelligent church. And they were associated with uh, the great thinkers of their day. 
They were very cosmopolitan in their social concepts and they were well acquainted with and accustomed to the great philosophers and the eloquent speakers that came through their city. And the problem is, is that they had a propensity to lean toward the popular ideologies of their present society. Hear me this morning. If there was ever a day where we have the opportunity to indulge in the knowledge and the intellect of mankind and all of his social folly, it is today. We live in what is known as an information society with one of the single most responsible agents of change being that of the internet, also known as the information superhighway. This generation is known as the always connected generation. If you have the, uh, the urge to, uh, you can find information regarding just about anything you want to. You can find information to try uh, and self-diagnose uh, medical problems. I don't recommend you do that. You Google causes of a headache and you'll be running to the ER in five minutes. I think I'm having a heart attack or maybe a stroke or maybe I got cancer or maybe I have an injury. I don't know. I got a headache. Help me. You can find out information uh, all the way to medical problems, uh, even all the way down to something like how to properly mix hood Kool-Aid. And yes, there is a proper way to do it. Hello, I wish I could get a witness in the building. Information in abundance is at our fingertips. Uh, there are loads of, of statistics and, and information that we uh, have readily available to us. Did you know that if you are one in a million in China, that there are 1,300 people just like you? China will soon become the number one English-speaking country in the world. The 25% of India's population with the highest IQ is greater than the total population of the United States. Translation, India has more honor students than America has students. Did you know that the top 10 in-demand jobs in 2021 did not even exist in 2011. We are currently preparing students for jobs that don't yet exist using technologies that haven't been invented in order to solve problems that we don't even know are problems yet. The U.S. Department of Labor estimates that today's learner will have 10 to 14 jobs by the age of 38. Some of y'all had that beat your first year out of high school. 
Did you know that one in four workers have been with their current employer for less than a year? And that one in two have been there less than five years? Did you know that one out of eight couples married in the U.S. last year met online? There are currently over 2.23 billion active users on Facebook. If Facebook were a country, it would be the largest in the world. Did you know that the number one ranked country in broadband internet penetration is Bermuda? And that the United States is all the way down at number 19? And Japan is all the way down at number 22? We are living in exponential times. There are 3.5 billion searches on Google every day. In 2006, this number was 2.7 billion per month. The question is, to who or whom were these questions addressed before Google? The first commercial text message was sent in December of 1992. Today, the number of text messages sent and received every day exceed the total population of the planet many times over. The following technologies took this long to reach a market audience of 50 million. It took radio 38 years to reach a market audience of 50 million. It only took television 13 years. And it only took the internet four years. And it only took iPod three years. And it only took Facebook two years. The number of internet devices in 1984 was 1,000. In 1992, it was 1 million. In 2008, it was 1 billion. And the number is almost incalculable today. There are currently about 540,000 words in the English language. This is about five times as many as there were during Shakespeare's time. It is estimated that a week's worth of the New York Times contains more information than a person was likely to come across in a lifetime in the 18th century. It is estimated that eight exabytes of unique information will be generated just this year alone. That is more information than the previous 5,000 years put together. The amount of new technical information is doubling every two years. For students starting a four-year technical degree, this means that half of what they learn in their first year of study will be outdated by their third year of study. Japan has successfully tested a fiber optic cable that pushes 14 trillion bits per second down a single strand of fiber. 
That is the equivalent of about 2,660 CDs of information or 210 million phone calls every second. It is currently tripling every six months and is expected to do so for the next 20 years. By this year's end, they believe that a supercomputer will be built that exceeds the computational capabilities of the human brain. Predictions are that by 2049, a $1,000 computer will exceed the computational capabilities of the entire human species. Did you know that so far during the course of this presentation of information that 67 babies were born in the United States, 274 babies were born in China, and 395 babies were born in India, and somewhere in the world, 700,000 songs were downloaded illegally. If you were able to take the sum total of man's knowledge and represent it graphically so that you could see it from a graphical perspective. If you began with the beginning of recorded history all the way until the year 1845, it would be re represented by one inch. Then from 1845 to 1945, just 100 years, would be represented by three inches. And then from 1945 to 1976, just 30 years, it would be the height of the Washington Monument. And you can only imagine what it would be from 1976 until now. Knowledge is exploding at such an exponential rate, more than 2,000 pages a minute, that even Einstein couldn't keep up. In fact... If you read 24 hours a day from the age of 21 to the age of 70 and you retained 100% of what you read, you would be one and a half million years behind when you finished. If this is the case, it is not so important uh, how much you know, uh, but rather what you know. Uh, and even more importantly, uh, who uh, you uh, know. God, I feel like preaching in this house today. Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse number 1 said this, Know also that in the last days... Uh, Perilous times uh, shall come. Uh, is there anybody in the building that has enough sense to know that we are living uh, in perilous uh, times? Uh, I said we are living uh, in uh, perilous times. When society uh, will take a man uh, who is pretending to be a woman uh, and put him on the front of a magazine uh, and call him woman of the year, uh, we are living uh, in perilous times. 
when society uh, by greater and greater numbers uh, is accepting the ideology uh, that your 8 or 10 year old daughter uh, can make up in her mind uh, her sexuality uh, with an adult man uh, we are living uh, in perilous times uh, a day when men call good evil uh, and call evil good uh, and the wicked imaginations uh, of mankind are displayed. We are living uh, in perilous uh, times. And the Bible said uh, in verse number 7 uh, that they are ever uh, learning uh, and never able to come uh, to the knowledge uh, of the truth. Uh, he said there's going to be a day uh, when people are more educated uh, than they have ever been before. Uh, I wish I had a church in the building. Uh, there's going to come a day uh, when the prestige uh, of knowledge uh, and having a degree is unparalleled. Uh, he said they will ever uh, be learning. Uh, but the problem is, uh, is that they are never coming uh, to the knowledge uh, of truth uh, with all of their wisdom, uh, with all of their understanding. Uh, they do not understand uh, the truth uh, of God's word. Uh, can I preach to somebody in this place uh, that information uh, and facts uh, do not always equal uh, the truth. Uh, what is considered a fact uh, is not always, I wish I had an amen in the building. Uh, what is considered to be factual uh, is not always truthful. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we are drowning in information uh, while we are starving uh, for the truth uh, and for wisdom. I'm not going to preach long. And so Paul begins his message uh, to the church at Corinth uh, and he wants them to understand something uh, before he begins uh, as he stands in front of a congregation uh, that is educated uh, and he stands in front of a church uh, that is hip with the times uh, and he stands in front of a people uh, that are living uh, in a well-to-do society. Uh, Paul begins his message uh, by saying I brethren uh, when I came to you uh, I came not uh, with excellency of speech uh, or of wisdom uh, he said I didn't come to impress you uh, with my theological degree uh, I didn't come to impress you uh, with my educational status uh, I didn't come to impress you uh, with the eloquence of my ability uh, to communicate the, the English language. Uh, he said, but I came to you uh, to declare unto you uh, the testimony uh, of God. Hey, I tell you what we need. Uh, we don't need a bunch of preachers uh, standing behind pulpits uh, trying to impress people. Uh, with their cultural relevance, uh, trying to impress people uh, with how hip uh, and cool they can be. Uh, I'll tell you what we need uh, is we need some more prophets of God uh, that will stand behind the pulpit uh, and declare, I uh, didn't come to impress you uh, with my knowledge. Uh, I uh, didn't come to impress you. Uh, 
education, but I came to declare unto you the testimony of Paul said, for I am determined, I'm resolved to know nothing to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Him crucified. Somebody shall nobody, shall nobody. Uh, he said, I'm determined. That that, that, that tells us uh, that he had to have a made-up mind. Uh, That tells me that the world uh, was doing its best to pull on him. Uh, And society uh, was trying to envelop him. Uh, And the world was trying to inundate him. Uh, But Paul had a made-up mind. Uh, And he said, I'm determined. Uh, I've got a made-up mind. Uh, I've got a resolution in my spirit. Uh, I've determined in my mind, Brother Renee, uh, that I'm not going to know anything about uh, the world you're living in. Uh, I've made up in my mind uh, that I'm not going to get tangled up uh, in your society. Uh, I've made up in my mind uh, that I'm not going to get trapped uh, in all of the going-ons of the world that you I have determined. uh, The world wants to do its best to consume my life with all of its knowledge and information and trappings, but I am determined. I wonder if I got any determined people that are in the building that have a revelation that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. I'm determined. He said, I don't want to be acquainted with it. He said, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to make it my hobby. I don't want to get involved in it. I don't want to spend my time on it. I don't want it to be an influence. I am determined. Can I just put it in today's lingo? He said, I don't care about the latest pop star. I don't care about the latest rap star. I don't care about the latest sports teams. I wish I did have a church in the building. He said, I'm determined. I don't care about Travis Scott and the Astroworld debacle. I could really care less about Britney Spears and the termination of her conservatorship. He said, I really don't care about Paris Hilton's new wedding dress. I really don't want to spend any time worrying about Hunter Biden's laptop or his fake artwork at a museum. I'm determined. 
He said, I don't care uh, about Canelo Alvarez uh, and his fight against Caleb Plant. I don't care uh, how many three-pointers uh, that Stephen Curry made. Oh, somebody got quiet up in the building. Uh, he said, I don't care uh, about who Jake Paul uh, fights next time. Uh, I don't care uh, if Aaron Rodgers gets to play uh, in the game today. Uh, I'm determined uh, not to know anything uh, among you. Uh, greater. I've got something more powerful. I've got something more important. And I made up my mind. Somebody on the internet ought to go ahead and shout. Somebody streaming online ought to go ahead and just run the aisles in your living room. He said, I don't care about the NFL. I don't care about the MLB. I don't care about NCAA or NASCAR or the NBA or the PGA or the ISF or the LPGA or the NFC or the UFC or the WWF or the WWE. I'm determined. could care less. I made up my mind. I've got something more powerful. I've got something more relevant. I've got something that doesn't pass away. I've got information that's eternal. I've got information that'll set you free. I've got revelation that'll bring you out. I've got Somebody shout, nobody! And let's not even talk about politics. Because if you're looking for someone to get this country out of trouble, you had better not be depending on Republicans. And you better not be depending uh, on Democrats. You better not be depending uh, on President Biden uh, or even your local congressman. Can I just preach this morning uh, that the answer uh, is not in the White House, uh, but the answer uh, is in the church house. The answer to our world uh, can't be found in News Weekly. The answer to our world uh, can't be found on CNN uh, or Fox uh, or ABC uh, or NBC. Uh, but the answer uh, to our world uh, can be found uh, in God's people. Uh, we got something you need. Uh, I didn't come uh, with the intelligence uh, of the world, uh, but I came uh, with the testimony uh, of God. I came to preach to somebody uh, that what you need this morning uh, is not more information. Uh, you need transformation. I wish I had a church in here. Uh, you don't need another lesson uh, about stocks and bonds. Uh, you need power. Uh, 
that can break stocks and bonds. Somebody shout, nobody. I said, nobody. No, 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 no. The horoscope can't help you. The zodiac can't help you. A daily fortune cookie can't give you the answer. Not Baha'i, not Buddhism, not Confucianism, not Hinduism, not Islam, not Jainism, not Shinto, not Sikhism, not Taoism, not Voodoo, not Norse, not Paganism, not Druidism, not Wicca, not Witchcraft, not Gnosticism, not Macumba, not Satanism, not Scientology, not Unitarianism, not Trinitarianism, not Easy Believism, not Confessionism, not Joseph Smith, but nobody, I said nobody, but Jesus. None of them ever did anything for me. None of them ever laid down their life for me. Nothing happened when I called their name. When I was in jail, Buddha couldn't get me out. When my marriage was in trouble, Confucius couldn't straighten it out. Peyton Manning never did anything to help me. Lance Armstrong never did anything to help me. Michael Jordan never did anything to rescue me. No rap star, no Hollywood star. But can I tell you about a man named Jesus? Can I tell you about a man named Jesus? He's not a Hollywood character, but he is my hero. He's stronger than Rambo. He's better than Rocky. He can fly higher than Superman. As a matter of fact, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. He's more feared than Batman. His name is Jesus. And he did rescue me. And he is my hero. When I was in trouble, he moved mountains. When I, when I couldn't get up, he picked me up. When I couldn't see straight, he healed my mind. Somebody shot nobody. Nothing happened when I called those names. But Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. I said every knee should bow of things in the heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ. 
I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified why crucified isn't the crucifixion the moment of his greatest weakness? That's what the devil thought. But it was his moment of greatest power. I wish I had a church in the building. As a matter of fact, Brother Pat, the Bible said that if the princes of this world would have known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil would have known the power of the cross, come on somebody, he would have never hung him on that tree. Somebody ought to just tell the devil, you thought you were destroying me. You thought you had me. But when you pushed me down, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. That's where I found Jesus. It was at my weakest moment. It was at my lowest. Thank you for the trouble. Thank you for the struggle. I wish somebody would take a moment and shout over your struggle. Thank you for the tribulation. Thank you for the pain. It was in my pain that I discovered the promise. It was in my loneliness that I found love. It was in my despair that I found joy. Why crucified? One chapter earlier in chapter 1 verse 17, Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. There's something about the wisdom of man that dilutes the efficacious power of the cross. Ah, that's why when I preach the gospel, I preach it the way the word of the Lord gives it to us. Calvary wasn't pretty. You can't try to make Calvary look good. Calvary was painful. Calvary was bloody. Calvary was full of sacrifice. But brothers and sisters, it was Calvary that where the power was. It was in that mess that God brought a message of hope and power to the entire world. goes on to say for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God the cross 
At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. Anybody remember that old song? It was there by faith I received my sight. Hey, and now I am happy all the day. Why was the cross the power of God? Isaiah 53 and 5 said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. It was at the cross that he became the propitiation for our sins. It should have been me on the cross. It should be me paying the penalty of death. But it was him. And he was bruised for my iniquities. It should have been me that was struck in the face for my filthy mouth. It should have been me that had a crown of thorns on my head for my evil thoughts. It should have been me with holes in my hands for my evil deeds. But it was God. It was Calvary. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Peace has a price. To be healed and in my right mind costs something. While the world is losing its mind and I'm here with hope today, it costs something to have peace. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. You understand that you're not a human body having a spiritual experience, but you are a spiritual being having a human experience. When he talks about healing, it's not just the healing of your body, but it's the healing of your emotions. It's the healing of your mind. It's the healing of your spirit. By his stripes, we are healed. Somebody in this building, the only reason you're in your right mind is because he paid the price. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood.
Paul said, that's what I'm preaching to you. That's the testimony of God. Nobody but Jesus. Acts 4, 7 through 10, I'm closing. It says, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, and by what means he is made whole. He said, if we were to take a look at this man, can I just preach it like we're here? Uh, at this woman standing over here, uh, if we were to take a look at them uh, and try to figure out how it is uh, that they're standing here before us whole, uh, when they should have been dead, uh, but they're in the church today. Uh, when they should have been locked up, uh, but they're in the house of God today. Uh, when the marriage should have been over, uh, but they're still together. Come on, somebody. Uh, when they, uh, when they were molested as a child uh, and they should be uh, out of their mind. But God, uh, if we uh, examine this day, by what means he is made whole? How? How did this happen? How? How was there a young man standing behind a pulpit in a church preaching that was severely abused as a child? How is it that this boy from the hood who was a nothing and a nobody and kicked out of school and arrested and put in handcuffs, how is it if we examine that he's standing there with a suit on, preaching from a Bible, how by what means is he made whole? They answered and said, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it wasn't a 12-step program that did it. It wasn't a social club that did it. It wasn't rehabilitation uh, that did it. Uh, it wasn't a counselor. Uh, well, it was uh, the counselor. Uh, but the reason they're here, uh, it was because uh, of Jesus Christ, whom ye crucified, whom ye raised from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand before you whole even by him you look around this morning and you see people standing around here in a nice dress and a suit on you don't know the story of where God brought us from when nobody else could help me Jesus reached down and grabbed me when nobody else had the answers it was nobody 
but gee, that's what I wanted to preach to you this morning. Uh, it was nobody uh, but Jesus. Uh, when all of the statistics said uh, that I shouldn't be here, uh, it was nobody uh, but Jesus. Uh, I wonder if somebody with that testimony uh, would just lift your hands in this house. Uh, it was nobody uh, but Jesus. Uh, if you only knew my story, uh, if you only knew where God brought me from, uh, if you only knew... And I preach that to preach this as we stand all over this house. I preach that to preach this. That if he did it for me, he wants to do it for you today. Come on, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in this church today. You're surrounded by people uh, that will tell you it was nobody uh, but Jesus. Uh, you're surrounded by people uh, that can testify to you uh, that my education couldn't get me out of trouble uh, and my good family name uh, couldn't get me out of trouble uh, and I didn't have the money to buy my way uh, out of trouble. Uh, it was nobody uh, but Jesus. And I'm preaching that same message to somebody in this place today. I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come to impress you with my ability as an orator today. I didn't come to impress you with my ability to give you a theological dissertation that would leave you walking away saying what a powerful student of the world. I didn't come to you this morning with anything except the testimony of God in this place. And I want us to lift our hands because all over this house, there are people here right now. You're in desperate need of something in your life today. Uh, and you've been everywhere trying to figure it out. Uh, you, you've talked to everybody trying uh, to figure it out. Uh, but I came to preach to you this morning uh, that your answer is in this altar right here. Uh, that your answer is in this house today. Uh, and whatever it is that you need, uh, if you'll bring it to him uh, and lift up your hands uh, and begin to call uh, on that only saving uh, name. Come on, somebody. Uh, right now, today, uh, there's only one word uh, that you need to be able to utter. Uh, that's the word. Uh, that's the name, Jesus. Uh, when you lift your voice uh, and call his name, uh, he'll come running. Uh, come on, all over this building. Here they come. Uh, somebody ought to jump out of your pew uh, and run to this altar right now. Come on. Uh, this altar's open. Uh, Somebody right now, come on. It's nobody but Jesus. He's what you've been looking for. He's what you've been waiting for. He's what you've been searching for. Come on, here they come. Come on, church. Somebody right now, lift your bones. Lift your voice. Lift your hands. Come on, I need somebody to help me pray. Somebody help me pray. Come on. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Come on. Come on. He's here right now. His power is in this building right now. If you need healing in your body, he's here right now. If you need healing in your mind, he's here right now. If you need healing in your emotions, he's here right now. Lift your hands. Come on. Maybe there's a marriage that's in trouble. 
today. I came to preach to you, Jesus. I came to preach to you this morning. Jesus. Come on, he's here. He's here. He's here right now. Lift your hands. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands and call that name. Church, I need you to help me pray right now. Come on, find somebody to pray with. These altars are full. Come on. Oh! 
Come on, come on, all over this house. Come on. Come on. Come on, he's here right now. 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 Come on. He's here right now. Yeah. 